0: Hello and welcome to an all new episode of Men and Women Talk, the Mars Venus Show. I am one of your hosts, Kente, all the way live from Los Angeles, California. And this is episode number 134. And I am joined by my wonderful co-host, the one and only Shannon. How are you doing, Shannon?
1: I'm good. How
0: are you? I'm doing great. This is day two of Mars Venus Week. Yesterday, we had a great show. Uh, um, The topic was simping. And uh, this actually, these are kind of sister shows because tonight's topic kind of goes sometimes hand in hand with it, um, but I'm happy to have this conversation tonight. Uh, let's introduce our guests. I'm going to start off with uh, the one and only Brooklyn. How you doing, Brooklyn? How are you? I'm wonderful, man. How's everyone? Um, I'm good.
1: Good.
0: And I'm glad that you were here, and excited to have this conversation with you,
2: man. I am honored to be here.
0: All right, and also joining us uh, once again, uh, uh, another returning champ is the one and only Alan Roger Hurry. How are you doing, Alan? <laughs>
3: I'm good. Glad to be here.
0: Now, I started to talk about this a little bit before we went on live. Um, the, one of the reasons why I wanted to do this this topic. Um, partly when I first heard about this phenomenon or whatever you want to call it, um, you know, I found it interesting. And then I was, um, Alan is an interesting cat. Um, he's usually like this real kind of reserve guy, you know, doesn't get real flustered, it seems like. But every once in a while, something happens where you know, Alan, uh, Alan, I don't. I hate to say rants because when, when someone... No, go ahead and say that.
3: Go ahead and use the word rant. <laughs> when,
0: when people, you know, when people are making really great points, sometimes I think people minimize what they have to say by saying it's a rant. But Alan, let's just say, call a thing a thing. And I really enjoyed when, uh, I think it was about, what, two or three weeks ago when the, the incident with the shooters in Dayton and um, what was it? Dallas was the other place. El Paso, El Paso right? El Paso, El Paso happened. El
2: Paso and and um,
0: just kind of give you made a video that day, and um, why you were no part of the the manosphere. And can you just kind of summarize what that video was about and what you were what you were saying in that?
3: Yeah, uh, yeah, I did a video called simply that, that ARC is no longer part of the Manosphere. And for those listeners who might be that term, be unfamiliar with that term, um, starting roughly with the a few years after the advent of the internet, there, um, a lot of men would would kind of share camaraderie on different message boards and discussion forums different blog sites, and then subsequently a a number of audio podcasts and video podcasts that were supposed to be geared towards men's interests, men's challenges, men's advice with no direct interference from the female voice. And they started nicknaming that collection of, of discussion forums, blog sites, podcasts, as the Manosphere. And um, so, yeah, it would include different people like myself. I'm like a dating coach. It included dating coach, relationship experts, bloggers, podcasters, authors, and just anybody who had an opinion on, on, again, issues to do with men. And initially, I enjoyed you know, being a part of Manosphere and proudly categorize myself as not only an active member of the Manosphere, but a lot of people would categorize me as one of the pioneers of the Manosphere. But in recent years, there's been this negative element that has kind of taken over, where guys just at minimum, you got a lot of guys who just whine and complain about the flaws and weaknesses or the their perceived flaws and weaknesses in women's behavior. And at maximum, you got guys who are just blatant misogynists, borderline misogynists. And at the most extreme level, you have guys that are known as murderous incels. Murderous incels. Uh, One of the most notable names in that category would be a guy named Elliot Rodger, who shot up, who killed some people in, what was it, 2000, in I think it was 2014 in Santa Barbara, California. Even before him, you had a guy in outside of Pittsburgh named George Soldini went into a health and fitness club and murdered people, predominantly women. Uh, you had a guy in Canada, Alec Manassian. And it's to the point now, wherever I read about somebody who's a mass shooter, first thing I say to myself is, I bet when there's details revealed about that guy's life, it's going to say he was romantically or sexually frustrated. He was ignored by women or had problems socially interacting with women or something along those lines. And sure enough, that's what came out with the El Paso shooter as well as the, uh, the Dayton, Ohio shooter, is that both of them were kind of socially awkward. They felt like they had been unfairly rejected and ignored by women and they just felt like life sucked and they wanted to kill people. Knowing good and well that inevitably, they would probably get killed. So there you go. So, yeah, so I, that video, yeah, I kind of ran it. I just was like, I don't like what I see the manosphere transitioning into. It's just transitioning into a big wine fest, particularly on YouTube. Oh, my God, yes. See, when I was on Blog Talk Radio, I never felt that element. Like, you know, I participated in at least a half a dozen of your shows before. Your shows were always cool. But then once I started uh, doing video podcasts on YouTube, I inevitably start getting sucked into this, this space where all these guys do is say stuff like, oh, man, all black women ain't shit. Man, fuck all of them, man. Fuck marriage, you know, fuck dating, fuck relationships. And I'm like, so you're you going to become a monk? Right, right. You know? No, man, I ain't going to become a monk, but man, you know, women are just uh, discovering the earth and blah, 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 blah. <clears throat> and then, in fairness, it's not just African American men. You got a lot of Caucasian men. You know, I haven't seen Hispanic and Asian men be as pronounced as maybe like Caucasian men, but definitely you got a lot of Caucasian men. You know, the biggest movement that of course they subscribe to is what's known as the MGTOW movement, which stands for men going their own way. And there's some offshoots from that.
0: Right. And you know, and so so what what I want to talk about tonight is how does how does some people get there, right? And and what makes a person have no prospects, not? <laughs> so let's start off with this. I remember you were on a show the last time you were on our show. You talked about this thing called the eighty twenty rule, mm-hmm. and that was one of the things that a lot of people had more questions about. Um, and. I kind of want you to kind of go back over that, and then we'll use that as a jumping-off point for the discussion. You were talking about? Um, uh, you remember what, you know what I'm referring to, right?
3: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I um, I actually, when I used to write for the Examiner.com, which is now defunct, I wrote an article about it. Now, the thing about that is not anything that's been scientifically proven. It was always like more of a, a theory or an assertion. I first came across it when I was in college, way back in the 80s. I remember I was reading a, 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 a edition of Esquire magazine, and there was some notable psychologist who was talking about He called it the 80-20 rule theory. He actually had the word theory in there. He said, a lot of people now just said 80-20 rule, but it was actually called the 80-20 rule theory. And in real simple terms, what he asserted was that He said only about 20% of men in society would be viewed as – I already used profanity. You you don't have any restrictions on profanity. Basically, I'm paraphrasing. I'm putting in my own words what he said. He basically said only 20% of, of men in society are going to be looked at as men who women want to fuck just to be fucking like basically fuck buddy types. Right. And he basically said the remaining 80% of men they're either in order for them to have sex, they're either going to have to be a woman's husband, woman's long-term boyfriend, a woman's sugar daddy, a woman's trick. Oh, ignorant to that term, the client of a prostitute or call girl, they call them tricks. And uh, what else? And and he even went on to say there's going to be at least a small percentage of men that just ain't going to be able to get, get sexual companionship at all, other than maybe like a street prostitute or a tall girl. And so since the manosphere has evolved, that's, over the last five to 10 years, that's become the basis for a lot of people's commentary is they're referred to the 80-20 rule theory. And guys who feel like they're in that 80% feel some kind of way about it. You know, honestly, you got a lot of guys who feel like, well, why should I have to be a woman's boyfriend to get the pussy if another guy could just be a smooth, seductive womanizer and he gets a pussy without taking out the dinner, without promising her long term monogamy. You know why? Like I know a couple podcasts. I'm not gonna say their names in particular. That's that's always their main recurring argument. They're like, man, I don't want to be a woman's husband or fiance or boyfriend when I know that another guy can get in her pants just by having you know smooth seductive verbal game. That's bullshit. You know. Like one podcast he calls that price discrimination. He says that's price discrimination. <laughs> what? <laughs> that price discrimination.
2: It's quality. Why don't they just become? All you have to do is become a higher quality man. There's yeah. high quality men and high quality women, and those people always get the pick of the litter. You know, if you're if you're mad that someone who has more sexual market value than you, you can always do things Especially a man, like we're so gifted, we can always improve our sexual market value. A man can always work out. A man can always get you know, a man can always get a, a higher status job. You know, you could be, and as we've seen, you could be a trash human being, and through circumstances and through hard work, you become like a higher quality man. You know, you're in some position of authority. You're very successful in your business or you work on your communication and your and your uh, um, social intelligence. And the more you improve yourself, the better your
3: prospects
2: get. Always. Brooklyn, I'm a you know, speak- I am think it's much easier to do that for a man than a woman.
3: I'm going to speak. I'm going to play the role of devil's. Advocate. You know- I'm not going to be speaking as myself. I'm going to speak for the feedback I hear. So, so what you said, this is what a lot of guys okay. will say. And man, man, forget that, man. Number one, man, I'm only five foot four inches, man. I can't improve my height. And all these women out here, they want tall men. So, man, all that self improvement, man, that's bullshit, man. So I'm <laughs> going to be five foot four for the rest of my life, man. And secondly, man, you know, I ain't got no major degrees and stuff, so it ain't like I could just get better jobs, man. You know, I only got a high school diploma, so I'm always be stuck in a working class job, man. So, man, all that stuff you're talking about, that's bullshit. And then you got women who like street thugs and drug dealers and stuff, and they, they ain't even got no like high school diploma, man. And women, they still gravitate towards them. And I'm a good guy. How come they don't gravitate towards me? They gravitate towards the drug dealer and the street thug. <laughs> man. So, man, all that stuff you're talking about, man, forget you, man. You just one of them brothers, man, because you poor women, you ain't got no empathy for brothers like us, man. <laughs> <I> <laughs> I like like that, man. You ain't got no empathy for brothers like us, man. And that's why I don't like you, Brooklyn, man, because you one of them dudes. You one of them dudes that, like, turn your nose down on us. Dudes who struggling with women, man. That's what I got to say, man. <laughs> <Cut it. laughs> you know,
2: it's funny you okay. say that.
3: <laughs> um, that is not his so only
1: problem that he's fighting
2: sure you the day that I'm that I'm doing that I'm doing this podcast with incels first of all they had to ask me what incels were and I had to explain that to them and they were like Can anybody be in that predicament and I'm like what you're suffering from is um you know you are suffering from the privilege of not having that issue you know what i'm saying and i i've worked with men um you know i've worked in the matchmaking industry i've been a dating coach and i've worked with men just in my you know professional aerospace career and my day job that were socially awkward to the point where they were just horrible with women you know um if they were not guys were married to women from Philippines or the Philippines or Thailand or something like that. And others were just not or, you know, uh, and they couldn't, they just could not get women. Another part, uh, uh, another part, I'll stick a pin in that one. Another, these men often want women. I don't believe in leagues. I don't believe that a woman is out of your league. However, you have to you have to be able to um, be on that person's frequency. So, if if you want a supermodel, you live in your mother's basement, very difficult for you to get yourself going to be, and then know what to say to the supermodels when you meet them. So, it's not that I don't have empathy. I have plenty of empathy for brothers who, you know, are not tall, brothers who, don't know how to talk five to five. You know what I'm saying? There are plenty of cases of men, high quality men, that are short. In fact,
3: you know. Oh, man. Man. Oh, man. See, Brooklyn, man, he was disrespecting me. (laughs) He was with me because he talked about me living in my mother's basement, man. (laughs) Why he got to dog me out for living in my mother's basement? What's wrong with brothers who live in their, in their mother's basement, man? I'm I'm going to tell you, I'm going to say proudly, man. I'm proud to live in my mother's basement, and that shouldn't be held against me. I should be still able to pull a Victoria's Secret model living in my mother's basement. <laughs> man. I'm keeping stuff 100, man. I'm keeping I stuff look, real. That man. picture looks like you lived in your mother's basement.
1: Don't be
0: that <laughs> yeah, Hilarious. Hilarious. No, yeah, he was he was dropping some good knowledge. Um
3: It was. Uh, it's like uh the follow up what he said. Um, yeah, it's uh well it's funny, he mentioned like the lead thing. I've had guys say to me, Alan, this sounds like you feel like if a guy on the, on that mythical scale from one to ten, if a guy is a four that he should only go after fours. If a guy is a six, he should only go at the six. Man, I want a seven, eight, nine, ten. That's what you hear a lot of guys say on these manosphere sites. They'll say, I want none below a seven. If I can't pull a seven, eight, nine, a ten, I don't want anything. And over half the guys saying is a guy that most women honestly wouldn't consider a seven, eight, nine, or ten. Right. You know, and right. but yet they'd be an extra pick. Like there used to be this website – that was real popular, I used to occasionally go on, usually when people brought my name up on there. It was called PUA Hate. (laughs) And it was appropriately titled because here was the thing, and I will give some criticism towards the PUA community. See, here's what the pickup artist community did that almost spawned all these whiners and complainers and and bitter guys is when, when the pickup artist community was real popular, I would say the heyday of the pickup artist community was roughly between 2005, which is when uh, Neil Strauss' book The Game came out. The Game. That's what catapulted the popularity of the pickup artist community. And I would say the popularity of that community probably lasts for at least the next 10 years. I'd say so, from 2005 to 2015. That's been. What pickup artists did, you had a number one, a lot of snake oil salesmen, you know, as pickup artists. And what they did that was that was really wrong is they gave the example Brooklyn talked about guys living in their mother's basement. Here's the message they sent to the guys is that hey, even if you're an awkward looking even if you right, are living in your mother's basement. Yeah. If you come, we'll get to you. my two thousand dollar boot camp, you will overnight become a ladies' man and a prolific womanizer. <laughs> and guys were like, Yeah, yeah, let me save up money. I'm gonna sell my computer and I'm going to go to this boot camp. And then I'm gonna come out of this boot camp like a, a, a magical ladies' man and womanizer, only to realistically realize that after they put forth that money, they were still. An awkward nerd living in their mother's basement, and then when they realized that, they said, "Hey, I think I've been bamboozled. I think I get tricked. I want my money back." And the pickup artist is like, "No, actually, if you read the fine print, it said no refunds." So that's what caused that site, PUA hate to start. Is guys would come on there bitching about how they had got and they lost a thousand, fifteen hundred, two thousand, three thousand on some pickup artist mm-hmm. weekend boot camp and it was like, man, yeah. this is bullshit, man. I, I, I followed such and such Pway and he made me believe that if I went to this boot camp, I was going to be pulling Victoria's Secret models on a weekly basis after that, and it turned out it was all bullshit. And anyway, the other point I was going to say about it, yeah, when they spell hate, a lot of guys who literally were living in their mother's basement would be okay. saying stuff like, oh, if a woman's not a an eight or at minimum seven, right. I don't want anything to do with it. I would be like, Who oh, is this motherfucker to be picky? Right. He's working at the local grocery right. store part-time as a stock boy in a backpacker, right? Living in his mother's basement. Why would she about, want you? He can accept yeah. nothing lower than an eight. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. But if, speaking of PUA. The reason why PUA is no longer in existence is because of Elliot Roger. Elliot Roger was an active member on that message board. Mm-hmm. And uh, when he shot up those people, the FBI got involved. They wanted to know everything about his background. They found out. And even though the owner, he says he just terminated the site because he wanted to, it's too much drama. But I always say the FBI yeah. told they they said, Hey, we shut this shit down. Because this almost seems to be like a yeah. breeding ground for yeah, guys like right. Elliot Roger.
0: No. Yeah. You now, um uh Alan, you are a dating coach and Brooklyn, you've been you're a matchmaker as well. And I'm gonna start this question off to you, Brooklyn. Um put your um uh, put your matchmaking um hat on. Okay. Give me some reasons why a guy can be perceived as unfuckable
2: here's the thing it's very simple men and women are not alike right mm-hmm. and I, I've always I always state that it's much easier to be a man why because men from across the street, we see a woman and we know whether or not we're attracted to her and it's binary for us, right? right? So, some men claim to be sapiosexuals, most 99% of those guys are lying. Women claim to be sexu- sapiosexuals and I do believe them because, you know, I've had women tell me, you know, literally they watched a podcast like this or they saw me in a debate with one of my friends or something and they were attracted to that. Right. Um, So men have it so easy, but I'm trying not to be the guy Alan is talking about. Right. It's because sometimes it's easy for you and it's not easy for everyone. So I get that. But men, when men find success, right, in sports, in literature, there is a, we have it easy for this reason. There is a groupie for everything, you know, and I don't mean groupie in a derogatory way, right? right? But you're, you're a, a philosophy professor and you've got 17, 20-year-old women in your class swooning over you because they're philosophy majors and you're a god to them, right? right? You're a basketball player and there's beautiful women in the front row you're a god to them. You're a king to them. You're, you're great at what you do. And you could be, you could literally be the manager of a McDonald's, because I've actually seen this happen, right? You're the manager of McDonald's. You are the king of that particular domain, right? So you could literally be a guy working at McDonald's, make it to manager, and you know someone younger or someone different is looking up to you because you're the authority figure in that. So to me, it's pretty easy. Being a matchmaker, I saw the most difficulty for women. Well, Brooklyn, I have a PhD. Brooklyn, I'm a doctor. Brooklyn, I'm a I'm a partner at my law firm. That doesn't make them much more attractive to men. You you can't you can't status and dollars your way as a woman into higher sexual market value. The world, I mean. It's it's great for you personally and your and your bank account and your 401k, but historically that's not how men and women are set up. You know, if it's two thousand years ago and Alan is a better hunter than I am, and all the women in the in the tribe know it, Alan's more attractive. Right. You know, this this guy brought home a whole brontosaurus. You know, right. <laughs> you know. I I brought home three fish and this guy brought home a drug, a brontosaurus back. He is the more attractive catch. You know, there are places like out in Malaysia and stuff where the shorter guys were more desired because they were better swimmers. They were better fishermen. It just helps to be short. If you're a Viking, it probably helps to be tall and muscular. You see what I'm saying? So it's location dependent. But if if guys are awkward, um, if guys are unkempt, Like, it's not even to me so much about being handsome, because if you've got a manicure and a pedicure and some good cologne on and a shirt that fits properly, you know, because you got it tailored or you bought your proper size, women are going to look your way. If you smell good, women are going to turn their head. You know what I'm saying? So you don't have to, you know, you don't have to wait till you get done with a year in the gym. You can do a lot today to make yourself more attractive but if you are in the same sweatpants you've been in for the last three weeks and you're in the basement playing you know call of duty eight or whatever's out now and you're and you're not doing life everybody wants a dime i'm talking to you for out of the goodness of your heart sex is not a charity you know women are not running a charity there's a uh a man that uh Alan knows And There's a man named Rolo Tomasi who wrote this book called The Rational Male. In that book, um, that book's uh, uh on my nightstand next to Alan's book. In that book, he says, Do not negotiate desire. What does that mean? A woman is gonna fuck you differently because she thinks you're hot than if your marriage counselor said, okay. You guys need a date night. You guys, you know, you guys watch a movie and have sex every Tuesday. You think that's the same sexual experience? You know, a woman a woman uh, meets Idris Elba or something and wants him and, and gets to go to his hotel room. You think she's going to have sex with Idris the same way the, the woman who has been forced by a counselor or negotiated with her husband to do it on one Tuesday a month? You know, I've heard guys say they only have sex on their birthday or on Valentine's Day. And that's a horrible existence in my opinion. I mean, it's it's a higher percentage than the incels, but I think that you have to you have to do the work. A lot of the incel community, they don't want to do the work. They're they're trash people and They, you know, sorry guys, I don't know you all personally, but if you're a trash person, you're not doing anything with yourself. You're not keeping yourself well groomed. You're not even trying to talk to women when you see them, and you believe that you know Megan Good is going to ring your doorbell, you know, or or, she's not. That's not that's not happening. Um,
0: before before I go to Alan, I want to ask Shannon, as as the resident woman on the panel, um, what are some things that Totally turn you off to guys?
1: Mm. At the top of my list, passive man, poor hygiene. Mm.
3: Mm. Um. That, uh, that's, that, that's funny, Shannon would say poor hygiene because, see, there's some things that are subjective to the person, but then there's other things that are pretty much universal. You, you're never gonna say, hear a woman say, "Girl, I met this man, and I'm gonna be honest. I just love the fact that he's funky. He just <laughs> and it just turns me on so much. I just he's just funky every day, and I just never. love it." Nope, said no woman ever.
2: <laughs> said no woman ever.
1: Olivia is to the way people smell.
0: That's funny.
2: Yeah,
0: nobody likes funky,
1: except for another funky yeah. person. Look. You know, you don't okay. think people I only friends and girlfriends.
2: What'd you say, Shannon?
1: I said you don't think homeless people without boyfriends and girlfriends. Well, they they
3: <laughs> Well,
2: they prob-
1: probably they was- probably all know I was wrong. like, there's no one ever. They may not be saying it, but it's some funky people in relationships.
3: Well, you know, I have to take that back
2: because to be homeless, homeless might be to be uh, nose blind. There's
1: some. People, I mean, we have non-homeless people that think it's still in relationships. Like
3: there's some brothers and sisters from certain countries in Africa that actually do not believe in deodorant. They um, there's a, the concept that some of y'all might be familiar. With, it's called pheromones that they believe contributes to sexual attraction. And these brothers and sisters believe that deodorant diminishes your natural pheromones. So, I mean, they still do things like take baths and showers, but they don't, they don't believe in deodorant because they said that that messes with the pheromones. So I, I found that article interesting when I was reading, I was like, wow. Um, anyway, uh, Kent, I think you had a question for me.
0: Yeah. Let, let's unpack uh, passive. Cause I, I really want, she said that she doesn't like passive guys, and I want um I want we'll start off with you, Alan. When you hear her say she doesn't like passive guys, what is, what is does that ring true for you?
3: To you? Well, honestly, that's
2: Alan. That's Alan's whole entire thing. That is the foundation of Alan Roger Curry's whole thing. Go.
3: Yeah, well, that relates to uh, some. I'm sure a <laughs> lot of men have heard talked about again in the manosphere. One of the talking points you'll hear in a lot of mandatory commentary is about the, the archetypes of the alpha male versus the beta male. And there's a few uh, behavioral characteristics that contributes to both archetypes. But um, if I had to highlight a few, the most notable is an alpha male is a man who has a high degree of leadership qualities he has a very dominant nature, very assertive or even an aggressive nature. He knows what he wants. He goes after what he wants. Um, on the negative end, he's oftentimes considered uncompromising. He's he t- a lot of alpha males and have an attitude of my way or the highway. Um, whereas beta males, on the other hand, On the positive end, a lot of beta males are considered easier to get along with, easier for women to manage their their, their personalities and behavior because they're very lenient, they're very accommodating, very flattering, very entertaining. But to, to go to Shannon's word, beta males are perceived as very passive, and even in some cases just subservient to women. They would be enthusiastically willing to let a woman wear the pants in a relationship. And the truth of the matter is, most women, well, see, here's the thing with women. I always tell men, there's a lot of characteristics that women will find appealing when it comes to non-sexual companionship, that they will find a total turnoff when it comes to sexual companionship and vice versa. And that's one of them. Like when it, for example, if a woman just wants say Brian to be her purely platonic friend, she won't necessarily have a problem with a guy being passive. That, that, that's not a deal breaker for her if the guy is her that's prime brother. friend zone material. Yeah. <laughs> but now if she's looking at that guy as a potential lover, then that's when the quality of make a woman say, uh no, uh uh. Mm, nah, mm, 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 Like, I've heard so many women over the years tell me, they say, Alan, I can't get turned on by a guy that I know I can have my way with. If I know I can just totally, easily manipulate a guy, control a guy, dominate a guy, ain't nothing about him going to turn me on. But a lot of them will say, as I just alluded to, they'll say, now, for friendship purposes, I like a guy like that. I like a guy that I can tell him what to do, and he'll obey everything I tell him to do. But as far as him turning me on in the bedroom, I don't want I don't want no woman I mean no man like that who I can just easily dominate and he's just basically my bitch. Mm. Yeah, so so no woman sexually wants a man. I nickname it a beta male bitch boy. No woman sexually wants a beta male bitch boy. But again, they'll maintain beta male bitch boys in their roster of purely platonic friends. And they might even marry him. Yeah, no, thank you. They, they, but, uh, yeah, that's what they you might, might even marry, marry you, him. Because you can't but but talk then, about it. This is what a lot of women would do outside And before, when they come across an aggressive guy, but like, a if a woman has, people, has to
2: tell you to be aggressive, then you've already
3: lost. Yep. You can, a lot she doesn't want to tell you. Materialistic women will do, in line with what Bricklin just said, and this, this is something I include in my book, The Beta Male Revolution. Some women will marry a beta male, even though they know deep down they're not really sexually, particularly if he got this. Let's say he got he's earning like a six-figure salary. A lot of women will marry the beta male, but they'll have at least one very sexually appealing alpha male, dominant alpha male as their side dude. Because truthfully, I wrote an article where I admitted there was one quite of the unfortunate of the Negro Manosphere, a site called the Negro Manosphere, where I mentioned that for better or for worse, between the age of 17 and roughly the age of 37, I was the side dude for as many as 40 different women. Mm-hmm. And it was interesting. That was the situation with a lot of the women who I was their side dude, they were married to beta male types financially self-sufficient, and even in some cases, wealthy beta male types, but they wanted me for sexual companionship, just sexual companionship only. That was my role, just to get them to dick. How could they use you like that, Yeah, I'm telling you, he just using me for my dick and and my sexual satisfaction. (laughs) Sometimes I would get into lengthy conversations with them, and they would tell me, like, they would say, I would never leave my husband Even though I'm not sexually attracted to him because he takes care of my bills, he's real good with my kids, you know, he pretty much lets me have my way. So, the attitude was, I ain't gonna. The only time a woman's gonna leave a guy like that is if there's another guy that's offered even more money or a greater upgrade in lifestyle. But I did a Patreon Susan video about this recently, it was called when a woman will just simply cheat on you versus when a woman will leave you. And I basically said, a woman, if all she's looking for is just kinkier dick, better dick, more satisfying dick, she ain't gonna leave that guy. She's just gonna have a side dude. Right. But when she will leave a guy is if either A, she finds a guy that she has a better emotional attachment to slash non-sexual attachment to and and, or he's offering a better lifestyle, an upgrade in her lifestyle. That's when a woman's going to leave a guy. Mm
2: -hmm. Hypergamy.
3: There
0: There you go. go. That word, hypergamy. Before before we go uh, deeper into it, uh, Shannon, you want to recognize everybody that's here? No,
3: not really. (laughs) She said no, not really.
1: (laughs) Hey, everybody in the chat.
0: (laughs) You know what? Oh. I mean,
1: I'm the lone woman on
0: the stage. i do what I want. Oh Jesus.
1: Hey everybody in the chat. Girl, I,
0: I, I see in the chat room. Uh Dante, Jake, uh Stephanie's here. Uh Kiana's here. Uh Dr. Vibe, Footman, uh Footman. Uh LA Wade is here. Uh Weston, Brad, uh Patricia's here, D, Brian, and of course, Andre. Thank you so much for being here, and I uh, hope you are enjoying the show. Okay, so um, I
1: want to good kids, yay! All right,
2: we got to find out why Shannon refused to do the magic mirror thing for some reason, but I, uh, she's protesting in a mood, I guess.
0: Uh, anyway, um, okay, so let's let's go let's go to these these fellas who have no prospects, right?
2: Um, okay.
0: Um, is there is there a, a such thing as a lost cause with some of these guys? Can they improve? Is there can they improve and get into a better situation? I mean, obviously they hit the lottery, but that
2: no if the they side. if they study, you know, if if you're if you're if one of these men is like like I was saying earlier, if you're sitting in the basement playing video games, you know, forty hours a week, right? You're not improving yourself. You might improve at the video game, but anything you want to do in life, you have to learn. We learned to walk. We learned to talk. We learned to drive cars. You know, like I learned to drive on a a manual car. And if you learn to drive on a manual car, then driving an automatic is easy. You know what I'm saying? So if you're not going to try to improve yourself, then again, a beautiful woman is not going to ring your bell and invite herself to your home. You know, you you can always, and it's much easier for a man than a woman. You can always increase your sexual market value simply by, you don't, you're not even trying to get women. You're just trying to improve your life. Like you could literally get a dog and start walking your dog every day, and burn calories, meet people. You might meet some friends with dogs. Then you might meet some women with dogs. Then a woman might think you're cute or funny, and you might meet her for coffee, and go from there. Like... might
1: be a dog. Sorry, continue.
2: <laughs> come on, Shannon, come on, Shannon. <laughs> We're professionals here. Hey. So, you know, you you can... You can, if you improve your life, you improve your prospects, always, you know. um, I was uh, watching uh, a gentleman named Kevin Samuels on YouTube the other day. He's a, he's a style guy.
3: Yeah, that's Um, my fraternity brother.
2: Oh, is he? Okay.
3: Yeah. Mm -hmm.
2: Cool brother. So, you know, and he was just talking about style. Like, I, I literally, I bought this shirt and some others while I was in Dallas because I was thinking about some of the videos I saw and I'm like, you know what, I need to, I need to uh, improve my style. Let me, you know, get some of these well fit, you know, shirts, like it's an incremental, you make these incremental improvements. And um, and you, by asking experts or by getting out there, you know, you you shop around, you, you, there's a scene in the movie Hitch where Hitch is getting one of his clients prepared for a date. And the client looks down at the shoes Hitch got for him. And he says, you know, these shoes aren't me. These shoes aren't my style. And he's like, you is a very fluid concept right now. You bought the shoes. You're wearing the shoes. You're about to go on a date with a beautiful woman while wearing these shoes. So these shoes are literally you right now. And that's what it is. You know, improve yourself. You think you weigh too much? Start walking. Start running. Start going to the gym. You know, you don't know how to lift weights? Ask your cousin or a friend or get a trainer. There is always something you can do, just like you learned everything else. It's like guys get to be 25 or 30 or 40 or 50, and they act like they can't learn anything else. They can't wear anything but a jersey or a graphic T-shirt. They can't, you know, they have to wear sneakers everywhere. Why? There's nothing stopping you from doing the things you want to do. You know, you want to go to the opera, buy a ticket and go to the opera. You know, you want to walk around the museum, drive to the museum and go to the museum. It's your mindset. Alan.
0: What was the question again? Um, no, the, the question was, um, is there anything that you can do to you can do to uh, better
3: yourself to uh, not be an in well, I almost want to answer that yes and no. Some guys, I'm keeping keep it real, some guys might be permanently destined to be incels for the rest of their life. Number one, one thing I noticed about the younger generation, I don't want to pick on millennials, but, man, they're they're very heavy into electronic communication. And I always tell guys, particularly young guys, how do you expect to develop chemistry with women when all you want to do is text and talk to women through social media? I mean... You can't. It's just... It's, it's, so that, that puts a lot of men back right there. A lot of, a lot of men don't have real-life social skills. So that's the biggest weakness of a lot of these guys who are incels. They, they have very awkward and almost non-existent social skills. They only know how to talk to people via some kind of electronic means. Um, now, I think all guys generally can simply improve. It's like when Brooklyn was talking about um, guys bringing, being hunters and, and guys being able to be fishermen. At the most basic level, a man should be emphasizing just his basic survival skills, you know, And I think if a man was to concentrate on just enhancing every aspect of his general survival skills, some woman, it might not be 100 women, it might not be 50 women, but some woman is going to take notice to that because we all want to survive to the best of our ability. You know, human beings, we have the concrete jungle, as they call it, whereas animals just have the the regular grass-based jungle, but it's still a jungle. You got to know how to survive. So that's one aspect that all men should know how to do. Like, I know young guys, they don't even know how to, like, use tools like hammers and drills. Yeah. You know, when, when I was in high school, we had a class where you just get taught the basics of that. But I talked to a lot of young guys. I'll ask them about stuff to do with just being a handyman. They'll be like, I don't I don't know what you're talking about. I, I know how to play Call of Duty like brilliant was talking about Call of Duty. They'll be like, I know how to play this video game, but I don't know how to use no hammer and no drill and none of that shit. And I'm like, okay, so if you got a house and something go wrong, how are you going to be able to fix it? Oh, I just, you know, I just call somebody and pay somebody to fix it. Yeah. You know, to me, man, part of being a man when I was growing up, man, was learning how to just take care of you and your own, you know, and just basic the basics of handyman work. But, um, yeah, well, the first and foremost thing is, again, the attitude. How can any man expect to be successful with women if he looks at women as the enemy? And that's what I'm seeing too much in today's society is that a lot of men, they look at women as the enemy. That's how they talk about women like that. Like women are their adversaries but yet they contradict themselves because they want to fuck these women. <laughs> right. But yet they'll talk about them and treat them like they're the enemy and they're going on feminism. You know, feminism has created a bunch of no good bitches that are power hungry and, and, and spoiled. And so that's when you probably heard a lot of my rants, Kente, on my YouTube channel, because I'm like, I tell guys, I don't look at any women as my enemy. Even the ones who, in my past, that I didn't particularly say get along with or have great chemistry with, I just chalked it up to me and that woman didn't have great chemistry. We didn't click. She wasn't the one. But I don't say, damn, you know, because I didn't get along with Michelle Johnson. She represents all women and they're all bitches and fuck all of them. I ain't going to mess around with none of them because Michelle Johnson did me wrong. And you know, she ate my last chicken wing when I told her not to eat my last chicken wing. And now I know she a bitch for all these bitches because they'll all eat your chicken wings if they give it a chance. That's how bitches yeah. are. You know, so you guess, guys, their own attitude shoots them in the foot. And then guess what? Someone will say when I tell them that they'll say, Oh, ellie Man, you just defending these bitches, man. You defending these women, man. You like becoming like a male feminist, man. <laughs> Minute white knight, man, to these women, man. You defending them, man. And so, but yeah, I think at basic level, <laughs> I think all guys, I don't I don't want to get too spiritual here, but I don't think God would create a human male that just has no chance of attracting anybody. Right. I, right. I just don't think because God, he got you. here, you know, you
2: got here because of your family tree, the men. Before you that looked like you ninety percent I look like my dad, you know what I'm saying like the men before you have you know reproduced to get to get to creating you, so there is some you know you've survived your your bloodline has survived up to now, so why are you incapable of of meeting women i mean here's the thing right it's not like what what we're asking or talking about is even procreation or marriage. We're talking about the men who literally believe and that's part of it. It's a mindset. They believe no woman would sleep with them. They are involuntary involuntarily celibate. Now, I mean, I've always thought that that was a thing only for married men. If a man is in a, is is married <laughs> and he's in, you know, a somewhat unhappy marriage, and um he's in a sexless marriage we've we've covered that in the past too then yeah you're involuntarily celibate because you're married and your wife won't have sex with you so you're kind of stuck unless you start cheating right but the, we're talking about men presumably young men most of these incels right mm-hmm. you're 20 you're 30 you're 35 and you're such a what are you you're such a troll you're such a goblin that no woman, no woman is willing to sleep with you? It just seems unlikely.
3: Now, you know, Kente, here's what's interesting. In Japan, they have a group of men known as herbivore men. Now, these men are voluntarily celibate. They just don't want to date. They don't want to get married they really don't want to socially interact with women at all and yeah they're known as herbivore men and i read this how is that different from MGTOW that sounds exactly like the it's it's kind of their own Yeah, in many ways it is their own variation of MGTOW and um that matter of fact it's it's considered a a crisis in certain areas of Japan and that's the article I was reading it said there's almost this crisis going on because a lot of the young people just simply don't wanna get married. Most of the guys don't wanna get married and even a lot of the women are not interested in marriage and they worried about how that's gonna play out for the future of the country.
0: That's crazy. That's crazy. Um, uh, Stephanie had a question. Uh, Is it possible for women to be incels?
2: The first incel was a woman. A woman named Alana Hmm. coined the phrase incels by starting a website to to discuss her sexual inactivity in
0: 1993. Get out of here. I didn't know that.
2: Wow. I didn't know that. What I'm here for, baby. Wow. I, that's
0: that's, I, I, did, I, did, I did not know that. So.
2: Hey, Stephanie. So, I mean, and a woman. By the way, Stephanie, you are not an incel. Stop it. Oh, yeah,
0: d- definitely not.
2: <laughs> <laughs> definitely not. Uh, let's, let's not. Let's
0: not do it is it is it even possible for
3: women though to be incels, though kind of yes and no I would say this a lot of women well because men have too many
2: fetishes men have too many fetishes for any woman
3: yeah. to be an actual right. incel. Yeah, may women generally have incel. Uh, too much dick thrown at them for them to be. I mean, they they would have to make a committed effort to be an incel because it's like, I don't know if you guys will. And then it's not involuntary. Right. Patrice but Patrice O'Neill had this joke one time. He said, us men, oh, he said, man, the way us men are wired, we'll fuck anything. He said, a woman could be living in a dumpster. But if we horny, we're going to fuck that woman in the dumpster. We're going to be like, shit, she got ass, she got titties. <laughs> I, don't fuck her I don't care if she living in that dumpster. <laughs> and the audience is cracking up, particularly the men, because they knew there that was, that was a high degree of validity to that. So that's why I would say it was it would be more unlikely for the average woman to be an incel, because some dude will always be trying to fuck a woman. I don't care. if She's tall, short, fat, skinny, old, young. You know, like I had a dude right me. Saying he's really in the older women. He likes women like in their sixties and shit. And he's like in his late thirties. He said, "Man, Alan, I love fucking women that in their sixties. Man, I get like this fetish for older women." I was like, "Damn, okay." So, you know, wow, 60s. That's (laughs) I can't say like, damn,
0: that's that's up there. Yeah, wow, that is that is. Teach his own. Yeah, never know. That's pushing it, <laughs> Dante.
2: Yeah. Literally. Um. Yeah, I mean, that's what. My, that's my point. That there's always, you know, if you are, if you are in the internet, if you are on the internet, you will find. If you look at porn, for instance, you can find porn for everything Alan just described. You know, are you into six hundred pound women? There's porn for that. You are into midgets? There's porn for that. You know, whatever. Like literally whatever. So it's very, to me, involuntary celibate, the dictionary definition, these are people who try as they might, they cannot get anyone to have sex with them. Most women, you know, um, can most women within the sound of my voice can get a man to sleep with them tonight.
0: We're gonna we're gonna call this next section uh, the Uncle's section, right? So we'll start off with you, Alan. So Uncle Alan. Okay. Let's say you have a sister, mm-hmm. and her thirteen-year-old or fifteen-year-old son is starting to look in. He's starting to look a little incelly, okay. like like he's going down that path. You okay. you kind of see the the signs. Okay. Right. So one is, what would be some signs that he needs to maybe go another path? And what would you say if you started smelling
3: that uh, aroma? Well, yeah, the signs I would look for is if he seems just very socially awkward, really around both other boys and girls, but particularly around girls. Um, He seems to have a lack of enthusiasm for soci- socially interacting with girls and even more so I'm I'm starting to sense that he he's developing the, that negative attitude I was talking about he seems like he's just becoming very negative towards women and he seems signs of so I would I would first try to identify I would get in his head so to speak I would identify what are, what are some Invalid beliefs, he might be maintaining about to do with dealing with women about the whole concept of dating and relationships. What are some of his egotistical insecurities? What does he feel insecure about? What does he feel fearful about? I would I would find out if he's been bullied, because a lot of times if a young guy has been bullied a lot, it will negatively affect his self esteem and his ability to socially interact with others. Um, so yeah, I would just thoroughly get in his head and, and, and uh, ask him like a lot of probing questions that provokes him to reveal himself better than me. And then from that point, I would just kind of seek what I do with my clients. What I do with my clients in a matter of speaking is I get into their head and then I take out all the garbage, so to speak. Once I identify something that I consider garbage, like say a very invalid belief, negative attitude, I grab it, delete it. Grab it, delete it. Just like people do with their computers, you know. Sometimes every now and then on your computer, you realize you have certain applications on your computer, certain files that you just like. I don't use this shit, or this shit is not beneficial to me. And you just press delete, and you send it to the recycle bin. And that's what I do with my clients. I take. I get into their head, I help them strengthen and enhance the good things that are part of their social programming, but on the flip side, I help them delete and weed out all the negative things that I feel are holding them back. And um and then I allow them to flourish from there. So that's what I would do if I had a nephew, I would do I would basically treat him the same way I would treat my clients.
0: Mm, okay. All right. Uh, now, Brooklyn, have you ever spotted a young man, maybe a family member or whatnot, that you had to give some advice to to help him out?
2: I have, I have. And you know, um... and you just you just talk because it it can go the way that Alan described earlier uh, earlier on on the podcast, where he's where you know these guys seem hateful and and potentially violent right because when you start seeing a young man talking about how awful women are and you're like are you you know are you old enough to have had your heart you know like are you did a did a woman take half your stuff you know in a messy divorce like no you don't have anything so no one took half of your nothing um, you know, you're just like, wait a minute, why are you the, the, have been on the planet long enough to be bitter about something. And we, so when a young guy, I'm talking 18, 20, 25, 30, when a young guy is super bitter, it's like, you haven't even, you know, um, dated enough yet. You know, you haven't, you haven't, um, had a large enough sample size a you're not experienced enough to to do it all well and b you know the the three women you've dated for 3 weeks each don't so yeah you spot a guy like that early and you 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 try to talk him out of it
3: I want to interject real quick, Brooklyn. I just talked about that on a recent YouTube video, what you just said. And I was talking about these incels and more particularly the the murderous incels. And one of the things I said is that a lot of these murderous incels are like 17, 18, 19, 20, 21. And I'm like, yo, adult life hasn't even gotten started yet. Mm -hmm. You haven't even dated enough and right. even gotten rejected enough to warrant legitimately being angry. And it just blows my mind that you've got right. these young guys with these profoundly negative attitudes. And it's like, dude, like you were just talking about, you know, a lot of these guys, they've only had like high school girlfriends and they dated for maybe two, three weeks at a time. It's like, man, come on. It don't make sense to me. Right. Yeah.
2: I mean, like Dylan Roof, right? From what I've read about Dylan Roof, that, that's the uh
0: South Carolina.
2: South Carolina, people let him in, embraced him with him, and he killed him. Um, you got guys like he was apparently mad that a girl he liked was talking to a black, girl, but he literally never hollered at the girl. He never told her he liked her. He never got rejected by her. It's all 100% in his head. I can't get this girl. I'm not gonna try. But she likes this guy, and therefore, a whole bunch of black people have to. So you know, the the trauma that these guys are experiencing is not even. It's often, not in every case, but it's often not even real life trauma. That it connects back to what Alan's earlier about. Um, people living digitally, right? This guy hasn't been turned down by 500 women in the real world, but he's, you know, he's spending his time looking at Instagram models and seeing other people. And he feels like cyber rejection from people who he hasn't even tried to talk to. And so 21, he's been on the internet 10 hours a day for the last five years. And he feels everyone else is doing better in every aspect of life. And most importantly, romantically than he He literally is in Starbucks talking to the cute girl next to him, and you know, and probably scrolling through his phone.
0: Right. Right. It's crazy. It's crazy. So many people, I mean, um, I th- I said this on the show uh when I, I was dating this a while back and um a guy asked me how did I meet her and I was like I think it was like the grocery store or somewhere and he was like he was like blown away he was like hey, you met her in person <laughs> like you know like
2: you know like it was so foreign to him yeah like,
0: girl, you know just meet the girl where, out that's
2: where the people are the people are in person
0: right so yeah it was just and his response was so creepy to me because, uh, you know, he was just like, wow, you met, you met her in, in the field, <laughs> you know? <laughs> you know, so, I mean, I guess times have definitely changed. But, um, you know, it is what it is. Um, I want to ask uh, Alan this question um, before we say goodnight on the show. Um, I want to go back to mode one. Mm-hmm. And... Since that book has come out, and of course your other books as well, but specifically old One, um, are you pleased with some of the responses you've gotten from guys who read your book, and Brooklyn has read the book as well, he, he stands by it as well, have you been surprised, uh, honored, uh, taken aback? What are are some of the the responses you've gotten and the emotions you've got from just hearing guys who read your book and have used it in a positive way?
3: Well, you know, what's what's been interesting that's somewhat related to the topic tonight, I always tell the story that one of my first speaking engagements was in Chicago. There was a a young lady I knew who used to sponsor um, singles events for young professional upscale uh brothers and sisters in chicago mm-hmm. and it's funny she had heard about my ebook version at that point it was just still an ebook this was in 2000 january 2006. i came out with my first ebook version in may of 1999 so a little over 20 years ago and um, she heard about it first she had some light-hearted criticism she said I heard you get this ebook that's about teaching men how to get more pussy. That sounds so shallow and superficial. I said, have you read my ebook though? She said, no. I said, well, you need to read it before you pass judgment on it. She said, yeah, I'm going to read it. And then I made this deal with it. I said, if you read it and you think it's nothing but just shallow, superficial drivel, you can put that on your website. You have my permission. But I said, if you like it, you're going to help me promote it. She said, okay, deal. So I gave her a month to read the ebook. She read it in two nights. It won't be as long as email dissected every chapter. And in a nutshell, she loved it. She said it was much more layered and profound than she had anticipated. But here's the thing. So she ends up inviting me to do this co-ed speaking presentation. It was about 40 sisters and about 25 brothers. Now, going into the, the speaking engagement, I just anticipated that no less than 90% of the men were going to have my back and be like, oh, this is good shit. But I anticipated about maybe, I don't know, anywhere from 35 to 40% of women having somewhat of an adverse reaction to it. Do you know it was almost just the opposite? Amazing. Like 95% of the women loved my presentation. And I would say even the 5% that didn't love it. They liked it, but they just had minor problems with language. Like, I had a few female peers that said, well, I wouldn't want a guy to just come up to me and just straightforwardly say, the reason I'm talking to you is because I want to fuck the shit out of you. I want to fuck you doggy style. But I would want a man to be straightforward about the fact that he's looking for, say, casual sex versus a long-term relationship. Yeah. But, but a lot of the guys, i see at least one-third of the guys that went that presentation, they were hating on me. They were like, man, you going to fuck up the game, man, with all this honesty bullshit, man. you going to fuck up the game, man. The reason, like I just want to do, he said, man, the reason why I got hoes all over Chicago is because I lied to all of them. And now you coming along, talking about all this honesty upfront, straightforward honesty bullshit, man, you going to fuck up the game, man. And so I've gotten on the positive man, I've gotten a lot of great feedback over the last 20 years on my book. A lot of men have told me it's literally changed their lives, helped them transform their lives. And of course, it always makes me feel good. But I have this percentage of haters that have been around for years. And it's again, it's just interesting to me because when I first wrote the book, I, I just felt like if I had any haters, that it was going to be women. Right. But Almost all the women I know who read my book or listen to the audio book, yeah. they love it. Right. They love more one. I'm, I probably had maybe 1% of female haters of my book. But a lot of guys, man, even some fellow dating coaches, I can name a couple, but I'm not going to name their names. But yeah. I've had a couple of dating coaches come out to me like, yeah, Alan Wright's he'd be talking about all this honesty shit, man. Fuck that, man! I'm about lying to these bitches to get them in bed. I'm about manipulating these bitches to get them in bed. Fuck all that straightforward honesty, man! That's bullshit, and it just trips me out, man. That, that I have all these male haters, man, of mole one. But I definitely will say I have much more supporters, guys who benefited than I have than I have uh, critics and haters. Wow. That's pretty cool, man. Uh, and, and it's it's been twenty years yeah my it was for the ebook version Yeah, my first ebook well actually technically i wrote my first version of my one in summer of 1995 on the urging of my older brother steven i was living in los angeles and he was living in san diego and a lot of his guys who worked for him he was like a manager at this marketing firm they would always ask him for dating advice and he would always give him his own brand of dating advice but then he would say well, y'all really should be talking to my younger brother. And they'd be like, what's up with your younger brother? And he said, man, he had this real bold, Mm -hmm. confident, straightforward style that really worked for him. And he would tell them some of my stories. And they would be like, man, get out of here. You can't be that honest with women, like, in the first conversation. No, man, ain't no way. And so he said, man, bro, can you just put together, like, a pamphlet so I put together like this 25, 30-page pamphlet called The Mo One Principles. That was in summer 95. And then I tweaked that over the next four years, and then I finally uh, made an ebook available in May of 99. And that, that speaking presentation I was just talking about in Chicago, right after that is when I turned uh, it into a paperback. Because a lot of women came up to me after that speaking presentation ready to buy it, and they thought it was already in paperback. And I was like, no, I just got an e-book. And they was like, e-book? I was holding it in my hand. And my brother was like, see, I told you. Because he had been telling me to put it in paperback. When he's like, see, I told you, man. This need to be a paperback. So yeah, the paperback came out in late February of 2006. Um, and since then, so that's also an audiobook but you can find all my books on amazon.com if you just do a search for my name alan roger curries on amazon my at least three of my other books is i have a book called who said again that's about the art of kinky erotic dirty talk and verbal seduction um i got a book called the possibility of sex that's the one book i have that women do criticize because Mainly manipulative women. I'll call out manipulative women in that book. So I'm not criticizing all women, but women who are highly manipulative. I call out all their manipulative game, play, game playing tactics in that book, The Possibility of Sex. And then my last book I published in 2016 is called The Beta Male Revolution. And it actually, some parts of that book relate to the subject matter that we talked about tonight. about you know, Talk about in incels, and all that stuff.
0: All right, man. Well, I want to thank everybody for coming on the show. Thank you. guys. You guys were amazing. And just as a, a side note, before I get into the, uh, to everybody's um, social media and whatnot, um, this is day two of Mars Venus week. We will not be on tomorrow night, but on Thursday, we'll be back at six p.m. Pacific nine Eastern. We'll be doing moral dilemmas. And on Friday, uh, we have Stephanie's coming through, and she's going to actually, from another end, uh, oh, she stepped out, she's going to uh, be giving us some tips and tricks on how to get our game right, and uh, and she's going to be talking about her new YouTube channel that's coming out. So uh, definitely you guys want to check those two shows out. So I'm going to start off with you, Brooklyn. How can we get you on social media? And um, also, um, uh, I, be, uh, you were in a um, – uh, a, a car club too. Uh,
2: how's that going? Oh, yeah. I'm with the uh, BMW Car Club of America and it, it's going great. twenty just low and the Maryland, DC, Virginia area. We have 120 um, events. So we're always doing something. We're doing something a couple times a week. Um, the next thing I'm doing, I'm hosting a uh, an, island solomon's island maryland on september 28th saturday we call it the saturday the solomon saturday social so i'm going to be out there um in a few weeks uh but other than that you know you can catch me on instagram at uh king underscore underscore brooklyn you can catch me at uh at brooklyn pcb and uh you can catch me on tumblr at brooklyn taylor tech I'm going to, I'm in the process of switching everything over so that all my social media is just Brooklyn Taylor tech. So I'll be here to, um, to, uh, to find that, but yeah, uh, thanks for having me. It's, it's been an honor and a pleasure as always.
0: Thank you, man. Thank you. I
2: really Thank shout out good to good everybody. I- and
0: Alan, uh, how can we get you in social media? Tell us about your, your, um, YouTube channel as well as what we should be on the lookout for. And do you have any more books in the
3: pipeline? No, I've been asked that a lot recently. I, I'd have to say I don't, but who knows what the future holds. Uh, like some guys, you'll be able to relate this kid, take is one of my most popular appearances on your programs when we discuss the BDSM lifestyle. Right, right, right. And uh, a lot of my male fans want me to write a book about BDSM, kind of like a BDSM for beginners book. Um, so I'll keep you guys posted if that comes to friction but uh yeah i'm on facebook um twitter alan roger curry my whole name is just one word um what else i'm not really that active on instagram i am on instagram mode one forever but i'm not really what i'll call active on there um what else oh youtube I, i do have a youtube channel author alan roger curry um yeah i do quite a few video podcasts and Oh
0: yeah, yeah. His channel's dope.
3: You and if you, you listen to the last few, though, I'm, I'm gonna be ranting about some of the guys I've talked about in, in tonight's show. Uh, what I, I call them the Black Pillars. Um, and my books again can be found on Amazon.com. My main website is DirectApproachDating.com. Is one word: Direct Approach Dating dot com and what else anything else? oh you can read my biography i have a biography that's on uh, wikipedia
0: um, and you're, you're originally from gary indiana right
3: yep grew up in gary indiana yeah shout it out out gary,
0: out. Indiana. yeah that's dope and uh
3: one, one last
0: thing i love about your background of course we have mode one mm-hmm. but then you have talk dirty to me poster next to the X file poster. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> Two totally different uh uh entertainment products. <laughs> I like Yeah, that. yeah, for sure, for
3: sure. Yeah, that's dope. All
0: right, Shannon, how can we get you on social media? Tell us also about your um your show Sunday and uh in uh D D, right? When is that coming out?
1: Triple D? Triple D. I mean you not to name it that. <laughs> like <laughs> drivers <laughs> Dives and di- diners drives, and dive No, no.
0: Um,
1: you can follow me on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Shannon Ford, like the president, hyphen Jefferson, like the president. Um, I have a show on Sunday nights here on Get Vocal called A Set Apart Woman at seven p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Um, by a woman for women and the men who love them, and we'll be back this Sunday upcoming um, for. Boss Women's Month and I have five books you can find all of them poetry on amazon.com and Dismantling Daddy Dysfunctions and All the Men I Loved After Him is book number six it'll be out in 2020.
0: All right all right um, you can get me at Kente F on Twitter Kente Ferguson on Instagram and of course the website is IndieRadio.org. as I said we won't be on tomorrow but we will be on uh Thursday and Friday to close out Mars Venus week. Thank you everybody who who uh showed up and and hopefully we get you guys back again here on Thursday. Have a great rest of your week and God bless. Bye.
3: Thank you. Thanks. Thank
1: you. Good night.